Welcome to the CCF Podcast. We're a campus ministry at Truman State University. This podcast features sermons from our weekly worship services. Thanks for listening. Good morning. Great to see you. Would you stand for our reading from Exodus? These are special selected bits from chapters 12 and 13. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month shall be for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. This day shall be for you a memorial day, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord. Throughout your generations, as a statute forever, you shall keep it as a feast. And you shall observe the feast of unleavened bread, for on this very day I brought your hosts out of the land of Egypt. Therefore you shall observe this day throughout your generations as a statute forever. You shall observe this rite as a statute for you and for your sons forever. And when you come to the land that the Lord will give you, as he has promised, you shall keep this service. And when your children say to you, what do you mean by this service? You shall say, it is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover, for he passed over the houses of the people of Israel in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians, but spared our houses. It was a night of watching by the Lord to bring them out of the land of Egypt. So this same night is a night of watching kept to the Lord by all the people of Israel throughout their generations. Then Moses said to the people, remember this day in which you came out from Egypt, out of the house of slavery. For by a strong hand, the Lord brought you out from this place. No leavened bread shall be eaten. You shall tell your son on that day, it is because of what the Lord did for me when I came out of Egypt. And it shall be to you as a sign on your hand and as a memorial between your eyes that the law of the Lord may be in your mouth. For with a strong hand, the Lord has brought you out of Egypt. You shall therefore keep this statute at its appointed time from year to year. Thank you. You may have a seat. Again, these were um, specially selected little bits from chapters 12 and 13 of Exodus. And uh, I hope if you could keep up with that, that you noticed um, some patterns here. We have uh, remembering, we have keeping this day, we have uh, throughout your generations, this shall be a statute forever, you shall keep it. We have when your children ask you, why do we do this? You shall tell them, for it was with a strong hand that the Lord brought us out of Egypt. <clears throat> and uh, for me, every time that we've read through Exodus, um, this part has always jumped out as a little bit hilarious and absurd to me. I'm just within the telling of the story. Um, we are just on the other side of the 10 plagues. Um, God has promised his people that he's going to deliver them from Egypt. And then there's been the whole showdown with Pharaoh and the back and forth of the plagues. Let my people go. No, I will not let them go. Um, all the way till um, this final sign from God, uh, the Passover, when um, he acts with a mighty hand and Pharaoh can no longer uh, hold out. And so he's going to let the people go. And um, we're, we're positioned um, just on the other side of that. So actually, um, God has already told the people, um, here's what's going to happen tonight. Tonight is Passover. Uh, so get your stuff ready, pack up all your stuff, go ahead and ask your Egyptian neighbors for their gold and silver, maybe they'll want to give it to you, and uh, start some bread, but you're not going to have time to bake it, so get your sandals on, um, be positioned, like ready to run, you're going to escape tonight, tonight's the night. Um, God's already told them that, 
<laughs> and then um, here uh, we, we get God saying, oh, and by the way, as you are like um, poised and, and ready to spring um, when the moment hits and you're going to be on the run, um, fleeing for your lives. Oh, by the way, uh, now seems like a good time to go ahead and tell you, I would like for you to everyone to get out your calendars and go ahead and mark this day. Um, this is now the beginning of the year for you. And go ahead and mark this day on uh, your calendar for next year, because I want you to remember on this day, and I want you guys to have a big party. And uh, go ahead and flip to the next year. And on that same day, the next year, I want you guys to make sure that you have a big party on that day, um, because you know I, the Lord, am delivering you with my strong and mighty right arm. Um, and the people are there um, poised sprinter stances, and they're saying, yeah, 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 okay, okay. Um, do we have to do that right now? Is it okay if we go ahead and get saved um, before we uh, have this all plotted out for exactly what we're going to say to our future children and grandchildren when they ask us, why is it that we're doing this thing? Um, so the hilarious, the absurd part is that um, God apparently finds uh, this insistence on remembering such a big deal um, that he's insisting on it right here before they have even escaped. Um, he's telling his people, um, I want you to make sure that you remember that you escaped, that I delivered you. And um, when, we, um, when we hear this part here, so this is chapters 12 and 13, and then um, do you know what happens, uh, say, at the beginning of chapter 14? Okay, the Passover went down, and the people uh, leave Egypt, and then um, they get to the Red Sea. And uh, then we have this climactic moment where it looks like uh, they're all going to die because Pharaoh changes his mind and he's charging after them. Um, and the people there, I can imagine them saying, hey, Lord, we could, really could have used that extra two hours that you spent like huddling us all around, stopping us from our packing to say, hey, guys, I want you to make sure you remember what I said, that you remember this thing that is just about to happen. Uh, and I can picture the people there thinking um, it's, it's a little ludicrous uh, that we have all this insistence on remembering before it's even happened. And as a side note, we can talk about narrative and discourse level and understanding that this text is a later constructed thing and it's part of the storytelling mechanism, blah, blah, blah. We can talk about all that. Uh, but every time I read through Exodus, um, I, I get uh, a grin on my face just picturing um, the absurdity of this command to remember before the thing has even occurred. And I wonder then, uh, what is the big deal, Lord? Um, why... Um, such a driving theme here of remembering. Uh, it would stand to reason um, that they, like we, um, are probably prone to forget. Um, and when we forget what God has done, that he is the one who um, delivered us with his mighty right hand, uh, we inevitably hear the other voices around us uh, and we hear these other stories around us um, because God essentially here is saying, this is the beginning of your story. This is now the beginning of years for you. This is the first month. This is the beginning. Uh, and when we don't remember that, and we don't um, celebrate that that's where everything started for us, that it is God um, who has begun our lives, um, then we start to hear different stories. And we start to imagine um, that we've done pretty well for ourselves. And we've worked pretty hard to get where we are. And other people probably don't deserve it because they haven't done what we've done. Um, we begin to live um, by a different story. And it breeds uh, uh, greed, it breeds um, bitterness, it, it breeds um, short-sightedness and blindness and um, all kinds of things that don't fit the shalomic kind of living that God is wanting um, to bring about by telling us, 
hey guys, uh, I'm the one who did it. I set you free. Um, so remember that and live into that. And um, for the Jews, this is the beginning of um, what will become God's insistence on um, not just this feast of Passover being remembered, but um, the whole course of their year being um, governed by this kind of sacred time and remembrance in sacred time. Uh, there's a rabbi, Abraham Joshua Heschel, um, who talks about the architecture of time within Judaism. And I want to um, read you a paragraph of what he says. Jewish ritual may be characterized as the art of significant forms in time, of, as architecture of time. Most of its observances, the Sabbath, the new moon, the festivals, the sabbatical, and the jubilee year, depend on a certain hour of the day or season of the year. It is, for example, the evening, morning, or afternoon that brings with it the call to prayer, like CCF's morning prayer. The main themes of faith lie in the realm of time. We remember the day of the exodus from Egypt, like our passage, the day when Israel stood at Sinai, and our messianic hope is the expectation of a day, of the end of days. Um, that's, that's Heschel on um, God working with Israel to craft an architecture of time um, to see the way that they move, move through their days and their years as uh, sacred and as important for how they um, how they move from one thing to the next, how they mark the passage of time. Um, and, and God says, um, this story is important, and I want it to begin now, um, and, and I want you guys to remember um, that, that I am the one who started it. Um, for us, this um, is presumably still important. Um, God likely cares about the way we remember where our lives have begun, uh, about the way that we remember um, what it is that we are called to do now. And um, some of you probably know this is the beginning in the church calendar. Uh, this is the beginning of Lent. It's 40 days leading up to Easter. Um, a few of you went to an Ash Wednesday service with me last week. Um, some of you um, probably are observing in, in some form. Maybe you've given up something for Lent. Uh, maybe you are um, doing some kind of devotionals. Uh, but I, I want to hold out for you this morning. Um, I, I do think it's important um, that, that we um, become better attuned to um, the, this sacredness of time and the architecture of time that God calls us to. And one way for that, uh, for us to do that, would be for lots of us who come from lower church, freer church kinds of structures who maybe look askance at well, I don't see that in the Bible anywhere that it says Lent or Advent or whatever. Um, I, I think I, I'm going to hold out for you this morning. Um, I think it would be important for us to consider, um, maybe, maybe that is important for us. Uh, so, for instance, Lent, these 40 days leading up to Easter, um, they have been for a long time in the church, in the wisdom of the people who have gone before us, um, a time of preparation for Easter, so Easter is the defining moment of our faith. Um, God acted uh, through Christ to bring life from and out of death. And that's the, that's the, the keystone. That's our um, linchpin for everything. It's the turning point of history. It is, you might say, the beginning of days for us. Um, it's, a, it's a whole new uh, time that is opened up when, when Jesus emerges from the grave. And that's um, the beginning of our life. And 
I think it likely that God looks at us and says, I want you to remember um, what Christ has done, um, that he was died, that he was buried, that he came to life again. Um, that's what your life consists in. And if, if we are to do that, um, then there's 365 days in our year as uh, we situate our calendar. And um, it, it's worth thinking about um, if we don't do, uh, if we don't use Lent, that time leading up to Easter, as a time to prepare for it, if we, if we don't use um, those weeks of Advent leading up to Christmas as a time to specifically pay attention, um, to pull back from um, our normal life, the rest of, most of the rest of the year, which is um, normal time. Um, if we don't do that, um, what, what is the alternative? What, what will be, we be doing? And um, I think uh, one of the reasons God is so insistent about calling um, his people there at the Exodus, about calling um, us, his people now, um, to remember, um, say, Easter by preparing through Lent. Um, one of the reasons he's so insistent on that is that we will live according to other rhythms. Um, we will live in time. We will construct some kind of architecture in time. And if it's not um, aligned with, attuned with um, what God has done in history, and what God is calling us to do now in time, and where um, God is pointing um, that day, our messianic hope when, when God finishes it. If our architecture is not um, according to those plans, it's, it's going to be according to um, the, the random ways of the world around us. Um, some of those more innocuous, more benign, um, some of those uh, a little more sinister. Um, but I, I just thought through um, what are the ways that, that we move through the year? What are the times that we choose to commemorate and celebrate, like God calling the people here um, to remember Passover every year? There's a whole bunch of other feasts that get, um, uh, that get plotted out throughout the year. Um, but for us, um, we, we don't live according to those seven Jewish festivals, most of us. Um, and if, if we don't move through some kind of um, Christian liturgical calendar, um, then, then how do we live? Um, so let's just let's take a trip uh, through the calendar. I just noted just ones off the top of my head. Um, we just had New Year's Eve and New Year's Day. That is the beginning of days for us. Does anyone know why? I don't, but there it was, January 1st. Okay, and then we had um, MLKJ Day as a worthy holiday. We had um, President's Day recently. I thought my kids were off school, but in fact they were not, but then they actually worked because it was a snow day. Um, we're coming up on Easter, still largely recognized, even if Truman calls it spring break officially or whatever now. Um, there's Easter that, that functions as a holiday in our calendar. Um, for some reason, we have bunnies and eggs on that day, and sweet Jesus, people, st stop it. Stop the Easter insanity. I'm begging you. It's the last really sacred, holy thing, and we're sullying it with bunnies and eggs. Um, April Fool's Day in there, that's a, that's a fun one. Um, then we get to Mother's Day. Everyone uh, loves their mom, but I guess that's that's a holiday for us. Uh, we have Memorial Day here in, I'm thinking in the United States um, pretty broadly. Uh, a lot of these are federal holidays. Um, we have Father's Day, the 4th of July, a sort of uh, beginning of days for us as a country. We get to Labor Day says something about work and Sabbath and what's going on. I guess we get that one day off out of the 365, whereas um, for the Jews, God was uh, really, really serious about one out of seven, but uh, we're not that good at math. Um, there's Columbus Day in there. 
um, Thanksgiving. We have a Christmas slash holiday season, really. It's not a day. It's a, you know, a whole month or six weeks from Thanksgiving till, till Christmas. Um, and as we, uh, in our school and work lives and with our families, um, there, there are obviously all kinds of good things that we can do on those holidays to celebrate aspects of um, our contingent lives lived here in this country where we've been born, to these families where we've been born. Um, uh, however, it, it's worth wondering, um, how do those things shape us? Like, like, what does it mean if we move from Mother's Day to Memorial Day to Father's Day to the 4th of July? And those are the ways that we're marking the passage of time, the things that we're um, looking forward to or choosing to celebrate. Um, uh, birthdays are another one that get thrown in there. Um, are, are they, um, staff here, CCF staff, we have a good time on each other's birthdays and like famously make a big deal out of them and do lots of stuff. Uh, but I, I wonder, like, do other cultures uh, throughout history have people celebrated um, birthdays? Is it is it really just kind of plain and simple narcissism? Like we don't like to typically say explicitly the world revolves around me. Everything began the moment I was uh, plopped here out of a birth canal. But celebrating birthdays is kind of a way of uh, reinforcing that for us. Uh, so a, a lot of these holidays, um, if we just unthinkingly, unconsciously go throughout a year, year after year with those things. Um, a lot of those are really centered in violence, greed, commercialism, sentimentality, and, and there are good ways to squeeze good things out of them, but I wonder how it shapes us um, if those are, uh, if, if that's the architecture in time that we're building, um, just unthinkingly moving through those holidays. And the other ones that are overlaid on there um, that really are driven by, by Hallmark with greeting cards and um, TV schedules and sports. I mean, the Super Bowl is probably the biggest um, holiday through the year, and dang it, Chiefs. Um, the IRS, you know, April 15th is uh, a huge day that looms large in uh, the minds of your parents, if not you yet. Um, Truman has its own academic calendar with its own rhythm that CCF even like, you know, works according to. We start in August and we have a midterm break and a Christmas break and finals week has its own stuff and booyah happens in there. Uh, I, here, here's what I want us to, to ask this morning. Uh, I, I just want us to consider um, what are the primary stories um, that we listen to and that we tell ourselves about ourselves and, and who we are and especially who we are as as a church, as Christians together. Um, and, and I think it would be worth it if we at least just opened our eyes to um, what are the times and things that we celebrate and that we memorialize. And, and at least if, if we um, woke up to uh, what those stories are, I, I think um, the two big ones uh, that our culture, like the, the two primary myths that our culture tells itself that you can, um, that you can pick out from those, uh, those holidays that we celebrate. Um, we, we're moving toward a, a secular neutrality. We, we like to fancy ourselves as uh, modern people who don't need those religious holidays of Easter and blah, 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 because it's just, uh, we're, we're a secular people and um, these are just neutral things. Never mind, we continue to call them holidays. So etymologically, holy days, 
days set apart, um, practically, days set apart, like you, we're going to pay you to not work on this day because it's set apart. It is holy, but um, never mind. We'll take it. And uh, progress. I mean, lots of this is economic and commercially driven, and we just imagine um, that we should be driving ever upward and bigger and accumulating more and as a nation prospering more. And secular neutrality and progress are the big myths that um, we will be inculcated into um, if we are not um, self-consciously and um, stridently, resistantly um, t continuing to tell ourselves uh, God's story for us. When God says, I am the one who delivered you out of Egypt, when God says, uh, it is in Christ's death that you have life. Uh, and, and I think if we um, will acknowledge that uh, time and the way we mark and celebrate it, um, that, that that shapes us, that, that forms um, who we are and where we think we're headed, um, if we'll at least acknowledge that, um, then I think like right now during Lent, I'm going to encourage you again, I think this is a good time for us to attempt to reorient ourselves um, around the basic Christian story um, that, that started all the way back here in Exodus, um, but that goes something like, there is a good God who made us and the world in love. Um, this God's heart breaks for the sin and darkness that we and the world have fallen into, uh, but he came as Christ to suffer and die to set it, to set us free. Um, God has delivered us. He's called us as the body of Christ to learn to walk and work with him in his mission of restoration uh, until the day when he finally finishes what he started and when he sets everything right forever. Um, that basic Christian story, um, we can probably do a better job of, job of orienting ourselves around um, if, if we'll pay attention a little bit more um, to the ways that we, we move through time, to the specific architecture that we're building and living in. Uh, right now during Lent is a great time um, to prepare ourselves um, to, to really be confronted with Easter again. Um, so actually, there should have been an announcement, but uh, right after service today, noon to one at the CCF house um, for up to 15 people who sign up in the thing, um, I've, I've got just a few Lenten readings and a couple of things um, that we will eat pizza and um, I will read to you. We can um, think about um, moving into Lent with. So um, you can come to that. Uh, I've been thinking a lot about um, marking uh, uh, baptismal anniversaries, like in the same way that we celebrate birthdays. Um, why not celebrate new birthdays in like a significant kind of way? And maybe some of your churches do that. Maybe your families do that. Um, Ellie, I was just looking up the date again, May 31st, 2015. She was eight years old, which means that it's coming up on um, six years ago. Uh, I baptized her at Thousand Hills. And um, I usually kind of think about it around that time, the end of May each year. Um, but why not make May 31st as significant as um, January 15th, the day that she happened to plop down on the earth. Um, um, there's a CCF friend today um, who's being baptized, and I think it would be amazing if um, he and his friends and his family flipped ahead the calendar for the next five years and put whatever today is, February 21st, on the calendar for each of those days as um, Baptism Comm Commemoration Day. Um, it's, it's a chance um, for us to, to anchor uh, and to orient ourselves around um, that primary story um, that God says, uh, I reached down and I delivered you with my, my strong, mighty right arm. Um, and so remember, remember, remember.
here in just a couple minutes. Um, we're going to take communion again like we do every week. And uh, I don't know if you have noticed, but um, in communion, the last supper that Jesus has with his disciples, um, this is a, it's a Passover meal. Jesus and his disciples are uh, fulfilling this command of God to remember the Passover when, when God delivered them. Um, and it's in that moment um, where they are looking to the past and anchoring themselves in um, that story of who God says they are and what God says he wants to do. Um, it's, it's precisely there that God um, fulfills that and goes the next step. And uh, in Jesus's now broken body and poured out blood, uh, God again delivers his people with a mighty right hand. And um, so, so we get the chance um, here in a couple of minutes and every week um, to, to really orient ourselves, to tell ourselves um, a story about the world and who we are and wh what God has called us to, um, seen through the primary lens of communion. Uh, when we hold up the bread and when we dip it in the cup, um, we, we are reminding ourselves, we are remembering, we are uh, becoming Christ's body again on this earth. I'm telling ourselves that the most important thing about us and the most important thing about the world and what God wants to do um, is that life has come through death. Uh, Christ died, um, Christ has risen, and Christ will come again. Uh, would you remember with me?